Tree Talking Time is brought to you by Conkeys Outdoors. Get all your hound hunting needs at Conkeys.com. Welcome to Tree Talking Time, where we talk all things tree dogs. From the smallest fights to the largest hounds, drink squirrels to bears and everything in between. And from time to time, we might even run a little fast game. Welcome back to another episode of Tree Talking Time. It is 2024. I hope everyone had a, a great Christmas and New Year holiday. Uh, I'm looking forward to this year. Um, I have a lot of stuff planned, so look forward to uh, you know bringing you a lot of great podcasts this year. Um, at this special episode, what we're going to do is we're going to kind of take a look forward and we're going to take a look back. Um, this week, this past week, uh, I was able to take my son hunting with the legend uh, Uncle Wayne. So it was the first time he ever got to even meet Wayne because just the distance between us, he's never been down there. So so we got to go down and, and hunt with Wayne for a day. Unfortunately, just some circumstances between the dog getting injured and uh, me feeling a little under the weather, we uh, were only able to hunt the one day. But it is what it is. We had a great day. So we're going to listen to Charlie's uh, take on his, his bear hunt. And uh, he's a little shy, so I had you know try to prod a lot of the answers out of him. but. Um, he had a lot of fun and I, I know he wants to go again. So, and then what we're going to do is we're going to transition into the first episode of tree talking time. So two years ago this week was the first episode and it was called 64 years of bear hunter. That still is my number one downloaded episode to date. Um, Wayne is a local legend and came out the gate strong with a lot of support and listening to that episode. So I think it ended up been told numerous times that it's a lot of people's favorites so a lot of people go back and listen to it so we're gonna listen to that as well i look forward to next week when we can bring you some some new exciting content like i said a little under the weather so that's uh why this week's a little mix of of new and old so hope everyone enjoys it and look forward to more this year thank you hello so where did we go charlie to virginia who did we hunt with Mr. Wayne. Mr. Wayne, which Mr. Wayne, to you listeners, or, or better known as Uncle Wayne, is 76 years old and still bear hunting just as hard as he has for many years. What was the first thing that you remember about going bear hunting? Like, what, What's the first thing that stands out? Mm, the rules. The rules? What do you mean by the rules? The hunting rules? What about them? You can only hunt an animal when you can. Are you talking about like when we were going down there and we were talking and I was explaining about how there's laws? Is that what you're talking about? Mm-hmm. So back to the bear hunt. We get down to Mr. Wayne's. We get up really early in the morning. We load all the dogs up. And then we go to the woods. Right? Mm-hmm. All right. So now what happened after that? They shot a bear. Well, eventually, but... One of the... Dogs got hurt? Eventually. So, actually, a, a fellow podcast guest, Andrew Ware, who was just on at the beginning of December, he took a couple of dogs, and he walked into the woods, and within a matter of a couple minutes, they jumped a bear and ran it like 400 yards. And then what happened? Where was that? In a hole. It's in a hole, which we didn't know that it was in a hole, did we? Mm-mm. So we got in there. And when we were walking in, what happened? The dogs got hurt. Yep. We heard a dog get hurt. And then Andrew, he started shooting at it, didn't he? Mm-hmm. And then 
What? It died. Yeah, it ran, and you got to see it, didn't it? Mm-hmm. And then somebody else went and finished it off. Do you remember how big of a bear it was? 483. Yep. So, we had two dogs that got hurt, didn't they? Mm-hmm. One of Andrew's and one of Mr. Wayne's. Luckily, they both made it. They're both doing better now. But it was a little scary there for a little bit, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Was that the worst part? Yeah. You were pretty nervous about Scout, huh? When we were eating lunch and waiting at the vet's office, what did Mr. Wayne ask you while you were sitting up on top of the dog box? I don't remember. He asked if you wanted something. A puppy. He asked if you want a bear dog puppy, didn't he? Mm-hmm. Then what happened? And then we got one. We got one? Yeah. What's her name? Peaches. What's special about Peaches? You don't know? Who was her grandma? Puddles. Yep, Puddles. It was our dog, wasn't she? Mm-hmm. Conkey's Outdoors is proud to be a sponsor of Tree Talking Time. Family, hunting, tradition is the Conkey's motto. They understand the importance of passing down the tradition of hound hunting. They are a family-owned business that treats you like family. They also understand the importance of having the gear you need when you need it. Conkeys carries everything for your next hunt, and it ships to your door quick. They also offer great warranties on all tracking systems and financing options. Check them out at Conkeys.com. You can also use the code Time 5 in all caps to save as well. I'm 74 years old, and I've been bear hunting since I was 10 years old. 64 years. What year was that? 1957. And then your dad was a bear hunter, though? All his life. What year was your dad born? Uh, 1902. And during that time, a lot of those years, there was not a lot of bear around here. No, hard to find bear. So, what was it like back then that you remember or what, you've, what your dad told you? Most of it I remember because I was walking in the woods with Dad and then when I was 10 <laughs> years old, if I could keep up. But people today don't realize what it was like then. Mm-hmm. You had no tracking systems, yep. no radios. Mm-hmm. Most people had no uh, four-wheel drive vehicles. Most of them drove an old cattle truck or a car <laughs> that they hauled the dogs in. Yep. My daddy used an old cattle truck. So like me. <laughs> riding around my super <laughs> yeah, yeah riding in your super no and when you go out and you walk until you find a bear if a dogs take off you follow them mm-hmm. you didn't have any way of tracking them mm-hmm. you lose a dog you wait till somebody calls you that to come get your dog i've seen it weeks i've seen it more than weeks i even seen one lo- that daddy lost for two years wow uh, if you want me to, I'll tell you the story on that. Yeah. The dog got lost, and we figured the bear killed it. Because back in, God knows how many dogs may have went in a den, a bear mm-hmm. den, and got killed that you didn't know what happened to the dog. Oh, yeah. But Jim Goff, a gentleman who's dead and gone now, was younger than my dad at the time, but he hauled timber. Mm-hmm. And he's cutting wood up on our home place. And he rode up there. This dog had been gone for two years. And he woke, rode up there one day, and he said, Charlie, which was my daddy's name, he said, you remember that dog you lost a couple of years ago during hunting season? We never did find. Daddy said, yeah. He said, I think I saw that dog today. Daddy said, where at? Your dad probably thought he was crazy. Yeah, yeah, he did. Daddy thought, no way. He said, 
okay. He said, if you want to, I'll take you over there. So I got in with him and rode over, and we rode over in Arnold's Valley, outside the mountain, outside the Blue Ridge Parkway, over in Bonnetite County. And there's an old mobile home there. And the dog come running around the mobile home, still had daddy's collar nameplate on it. They had taken it off. Nobody changed it. Claimed his dog. Knocked, daddy went up and knocked on the door. And it was an old, old lady come to the door. I think she, at the time she said she was about 88 years old. Mm-hmm. And daddy said, ma'am, said, uh, where did you, this dog come from? Well, he just come here some time ago and said, uh, Daddy said, well, that's my dog. And she said, well, I'm sorry. I said, I don't have a telephone, and I just never got around to writing you. <laughs> Address and everything on the call. That's crazy. She said, we got the dog back after two years. But the dog had been gone t- two years. Yeah. That's insane. It, it really is. And it, mm-hmm. it, But back then, very few people had phones. The old home place where we lived had a government phone, one of these crank-type phones that you've probably seen replicas of. Yeah. I got one up here on the wall right now, That it's not the one we had in the home place. Yeah. But the government put those things in the home specifically for fire prevention. Okay. That's why they would put the, all these people that live back on the mountains, way back, they put them in there so mm-hmm. they could call if you had a fire, if you spotted a forest fire. Wow. So that was the only way before it got got out of hand and they could come and try to put it out. Mm-hmm. And then people started using them to call each other. Everybody had them. Yeah. That's crazy. It is. I mean, I've seen the pictures of the phone. I honestly never knew that the government. Government was the original ones that Gave them, them out for forest fires. Forest fires was basically what they were used for because my daddy's brother, Jess Hensley, was a forest warden. Okay. They, it, and I think I could still take you now. Where were we at? <laughs> Uh, oh, the uh, the phones, uh, the forest wardens, they, they appointed forest wardens in different sections of the counties, and they were the ones that really supposed to look out. They actually had appointed fire wardens. Okay. And I think I can take you probably over at Botetot right now in that county. I think it's one of those. Those it says National Forest Forest Warden. Okay. It was one over there at Hensley's house. Mm-hmm. Uh, it may not be there now. I haven't paid any attention to it for quite a while, and it may not be there anymore. Mm-hmm. But they served as forest warden. It was their duty Interesting. to report. And, and they used those phones to report. So since we already got started, let me introduce you. This is who I jokingly refer to as Uncle Wayne. <clears throat> we'll get into that later. <laughs> but Wayne Hensley from Bedford, Virginia. Been a bear hunter, like he said, for 64 years. Got some dogs out here that can sometimes run a bear. Sometimes. <laughs> we if, we like, if we like it. <laughs> we ran one today, so it's all right. Should have been able to kill that bear today, but unfortunately it was right in front of a person's house. Yep, unfortunately. <laughs> but So, like you said, your dad was a bear hunter all his life. What kind of dogs did he run? You name it. He had it. It was a mixture of everything. Okay. And he had a couple leopard curs at the end before he quit hunting because, mm-hmm. see, uh, Dad was born in 1902, so the leopard curs came around in the 1960s. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Daddy would have been 60-some years old, so he did right there at the end have some leopard curs. Okay. As did my brother Carson, Lewis Carson. I called him Carson. He died back here uh, last year, a little over a year ago. Uh he uh he owned one of the first three leopards that 
Richard McDuffie ever registered. Mm-hmm. We'll talk about leopards either later in this podcast or if we right. do another podcast on it. But um, like, so you said pretty much anything. Do yeah. you remember, you know, especially early were a lot of them foxhounds? Not necessarily foxhound. Maybe some foxhound, some blood in them, but no, mostly mm-hmm. just plain outright hound. He had some look like plots, some look like high tan walkers, some look like uh, red bones, mm-hmm. black and tans. He said he's had some of all. Okay. I mean, every color. Well, you know, I showed you the picture yep, taken pic- when I was 10 years old. Most of them dogs are tricolor. Tricolor. I think there was a one or two brindle it's, dogs. It, it's, and it's some blue. I think it may be a blue tick dog or two in there. Okay. He and Landon Overstreet and my brother Carson and Henry Wilkes had most of the dogs. Mm-hmm. And Pete Wow, my brother-in-law. Mm-hmm. Tell, passed me some, away. tell me some impressive stories about Pete. Pete, one of the hardest bow hunters outside of my daddy I've ever seen. When you was a teen, when I was a teenager, you don't follow him in the woods. If you're going through ivy bushes, you better get over to the next row of ivy bushes, or you get killed when they come back and hit you in the face. Because <laughs> he, I tell you what, he taught me, and Daddy did also. When them dogs are running and they're going over the mountains and going up and down through those hollows, he said, "Stay high on the mountain, stay above them. You can you can walk right with them as long as you stay high on the mountain. Mm-hmm. You can move as fast as those dogs can if you're in good shape." Most people nowadays couldn't keep up with one if if he was on crutches, but I could. <laughs> yeah, you probably could. I've seen you walk, but yeah, you could. But it's so many of them that I hunt with today, and I'm seventy four years old. It's forty years old, and they can't even keep up with me. Mm-hmm. Oh, I know. I told somebody yesterday that you could outwalk me. <laughs> no, I can't. Uh, I can't outwalk you, but there's a lot of them I can because they don't get any exercise. Mm-hmm. They huff and puff, and you know, can't do it. This fat flatlander. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm waving my hand because that's me. <laughs> well, like you said, there's no tracking collars or anything. Did you guys leave blankets or anything else? Oh, yes. Coats. Coats. Or... Take a coat off and leave it mm-hmm. where you turned loose, and a lot of times you'd find him laying right back there the next morning because mm-hmm. a lot of those dogs had good homing instincts. Yeah. They knew how to get back. Some some of mine are right now. Yeah. Some, some dogs are just like humans. There's some real bright ones, and there's some that's not too bright. Mm-hmm. Now, you say that. I understand that, but um, do you feel homing instinct has somewhat been bred out of dogs? Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Because all of this stuff, they don't need it. They yeah. don't need it. You went with me hunting today. You saw two young dogs that got kicked out of that race. Mm-hmm. What did they do? They fell out. They fell out, but what did they do? They come right back. Mm-hmm. But you don't need it. I mean, you're sitting now with a GPS, and you think, okay, here comes Patches, and here comes Roga. And they're coming right back. They mm-hmm. didn't. They finally dropped off the mountain when Riley Wilson started calling them. I think that's what made them drop off the mountain yeah. down to where we picked them up. But they would have came back, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Or came on through on the bow track to where mm-hmm. we got the dogs. Well, and Ivory, she, she came all the way back. She came all the way back. So, you know, that's, uh, I think it's bred out of them. I think it's a lot of other things been bred out of them, too. Like what? Like nose. Everybody wants a quick tree dogs because they're mm-hmm. mostly coon on them. They want something. They want to they wanna listen to a high-powered tree dog that'll give you 100, 110 barks a minute. Nothing wrong with that. It sounds great. You don't want that in a bow dog. You want something to give you enough mouth to find him free. Yeah. And know where he's at and hear him. But I don't want it because all he's doing is wearing himself out while that bow's resting. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I don't look for I like a good tree dog, don't and after tree. But mm-hmm. no, if I don't expect him to bark no 100, 100, 10, 20 times a minute. 
Okay. I don't think it's necessary. Other mm-hmm. people may have different opinions, but I don't think it's necessary. No, I understand what you mean. But you said you, you think they bred a lot of nose out. You've had the same line of dogs for 30 years, so it's not necessarily what you're seeing because what you breed, it's, you've, like I said, you've had it for a long time. But you hunt with a lot of other guys, so are you saying you see that kind of in some of the oh, other yeah. stuff you hunt with? I won't call his name, but the young boy that was with the day turned the dogs loose on the bow, mm-hmm. they have no nose. Okay. I mean, that's not how they, we lost the bear. Finally lost it. They're cutting that timber up and then skitters running up and down the roads and everything else. And God knows where that bear ended up. Mm-hmm. But uh, he, he'll admit to you that they're not cold-nosed dogs. Mm-hmm. They're plot dogs, but they're not cold-nosed. And there's not knocking the plot. There's yeah. a lot of good ones out there and a lot of powerful mm-hmm. noses on them. But his is not one of them. Well, and I've even, uh, one of these podcasts, I uh, talked to a guy from North Carolina. And he said, he doesn't want a cold-nosed dog. He's got so many bear. He goes, I don't want to mess with an old cold No, trail. no, you're right. So, I mean, it kind of also depends on where you're I, at. I give you, for instance, those dogs of daddies, and my brother Carson and Pete, well, all of them, I've seen them hit a cold track in the morning. Mm-hmm. There wasn't no deer in Bedford County then, yeah. none. You never saw a deer. I, I was probably, I was driving a vehicle before I ever saw a deer. And I couldn't, it was a big 12-point buck. And, a, and, and I went around and told everybody what I saw. Because <laughs> it wasn't. It was across the river in Amherst County, but none in Bedford County. If you wanted yeah. a deer hunt, you had to go over there. Okay. Uh, I've, heard, I've heard that from a lot of people. I mean. Just... Bobcats is about, and coons is the only thing mm-hmm. that you, off game. And, and they, as long as it went up a tree. Your furs back out then for the coon was worth twenty twenty five dollars. I've sold some when I was young for thirty dollars each. Yeah, off of a big coon if it wasn't shot up. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we didn't care if it treated a coon. Heck, that's that's money. So even off game wasn't really an issue. No, and it wasn't any deal to run. So you pretty much knew what they were running. One of those three things we they they treat quite a few bobcat that we killed, mm-hmm. and and. And God help it, bow. They as they saw a tough time too. It wasn't many of them, but the, uh, but my daddy always taught me. Uh, you go to it, and I don't so much now because you saw me rode those dogs today in front of the truck and strike that track. You mm-hmm. were with me, but back when we used to go in the mountains, we went to the roughest part of the mountain. It wasn't a picnic walk. Oh yeah, it was over places that when you're young, it's tough. It's uh, tough to get over. I walked through some thick laurel yesterday. before, yeah. I, before I got down here. Uh, Tim Campbell last week when, uh, this past Monday, the first day when, uh, we had that bad bait up in there, mm-hmm. uh, Ivory and, uh, Queenie was a two dog. He told me, he said, Wayne, there is no way in the world I'd come in here in the springtime. Mm-hmm. He said, not when the snakes are crawling. He said, I was on my hands and knees about all the way through there. Yeah. He said, nope. He said, no way. He said, if, if we get a dog in here. In the springtime, when we were running, he said, it's going to stay there until it comes out. I'm not coming in here to get it. That's exactly what he said. I knew what it was like. In there. I'd been, I've been in all <laughs> these places. I know. Well, but, you've been a bear hunter for so long. But he, you've been everywhere. But he, had, he volunteered to go, and boy, I didn't stop him. <laughs> <laughs> I don't blame you. He's a lot younger than, about 20 years younger than I am. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no, I, I, I thanked him. I'm, I'm thankful for Tim. He's, he helps me a lot. Mm-hmm. He really does. So when you were bear hunting back then, you see, you would just go to the roughest place you could to try and find a bear. Yep. And I've seen Daddy, but not so much as he got older. But Pete Wow, my brother-in-law, 
I've seen dogs jump a bow, and I'm going to tell you right now, if that bow stopped to rest or stopped to fight a dog, Pete Way would be shooting at him. Jeez. I mean, that's how quick he was through the woods, like mm-hmm. a deer through the woods. And that's why I said you do not get behind him. Yeah. Because you'll get your head tore off with a limb or something that he lets go. <laughs> Hunted with an old single-barrel shotgun, 16-gauge. Not he, something you see too many of these days. Pete, Pete hunted 20-some years after he married my sister, and he killed 18 bear himself. That'll mm-hmm. tell you how good he was in the woods. And God knows how many people kill bear with him. It, yeah. I mean, I can name you dozens of people he killed bear with him, and most of them at first bear they ever killed. Mm-hmm. My first bear was with him and Daddy. Really? Yep. So, how old were you? Huh? How old were you? I was 16, if I remember correctly. Uh, we treat a no, I was 18, excuse me, because I was working at Rubbertex Corporation in Bedford, and I got off 11 to 7 because you go in on Sunday night and finish up on Friday morning. Okay. And uh, they run that bow across there and treat it, and I had a 303 British infield rifle that I'd won on a punch board for a dollar. <laughs> first day of bow season, first bow I ever killed, first time I ever took a gun with me. I'd won it out there on a punch board that, where they spun it and stabbed it with a knife. Yeah. And they took chances on it. I paid a dollar chance, which uh, I went up there and they had that bow treed. And it was sort of funny. It was a whole bunch of dogs there under the tree. Mm-hmm. And it was in a real rough place. I mean, rocks. And it was this one tree sitting right in the middle of it. And I could see that bow and I'm trying to ease up and get up there. Back mm-hmm. then, you didn't tie dogs back. Okay. Because you shot so many coons and stuff out of them. I never, you never heard of a dog getting hit by a bow falling. Yeah. Uh, uh, I'm easing on up and I'm easing on up and uh, all of a sudden he spotted me mm-hmm. and I shot I pulled that 303 rifle up and I pulled down on him and I shot him behind the front shoulder okay. and, and he dropped and he went down in the rocks and I could hear him fighting the dogs and I started up in there and it was one little path and I said uh uh-uh, uh Wayne this ain't the right route because if he starts out of there. Oh, yeah, he's coming he, for you. Yeah, he's going to come at me. So I w- backed out and went around above. And when I come down, Wayne Toms worked at Rubbertex with me. And he went with me hunting that morning. He hunted with us. Wayne's still living now. He's actually a little older than I am. You're too old than I am. Uh, and they had, he had a big red tick dog there, English red tick dog, that that bow had that dog back of its neck in its mouth going to kill that dog and Jeez. the dog scrambling and the other dogs are trying to fight it was down between two rocks yeah i ain't never killed a bear but i knew what to do i went up and stuck that gun right down right at that bow's ear while he had that dog in his mouth where that bullet went in him mm-hmm. i pulled the trigger and his eyes looked like a, a slot machine when they rolled <laughs> back in his head killed him stone dead i shot him right down through the right mm-hmm. through the by his head brain in his brain and he turned he just laid back and that dog went right back to pulling on him just turn well, him. Luckily, didn't kill him. <laughs> he he, he would have killed him if I hadn't got there when I did. But yeah. I wasn't that far. I wasn't probably 25, 30 yards from that tree because I was easing through them rocks. Mm-hmm. And every time I'd catch him looking the other way, I would yeah. ease up on him. But people today, they don't hunt like I hunted. Mm-hmm. I shot God knows how many coons out to dogs. Daddy, we lived up there on that mountain. And it joined the National Forest. Daddy owned 351 acres of land up there. Okay. And he, uh, the dogs ran out all the time. Mm-hmm. And he fed them meat. 
That's all they were ever fed. It's a Bedford locker. They called it a locker plant, but it was a meat processing plant. Out here at Bedford, he, every Tuesday, Daddy'd go to the livestock market to take cattle or buy calves or whatever, and he'd go by there, and that man would have him scraps. Yeah. Uh, and uh, they fed them every night, and you feed them real good that night. Most time next morning, they'd be treed somewhere. Just about every morning, hmm. they'd have a coon, bobcat. Uh, Daddy went up there one morning. Mama died. Daddy was 93 when she died. Mama was 64. Okay. I'm the youngest of us, and I don't already outlived her 10 years. She had sugar diabetes and stuff. Mm-hmm. They didn't know what to do for it. She died in 1970, <clears throat> 51 years ago. Jeez. I was uh, 10 days shy of my uh, 23rd birthday when she died. Uh, she died August 17, 1970, and I was August 27 was my birthday. But uh, Daddy went up there one morning. And I had to go to school. So he went to the dogs. And he told me, said, uh, Mama told me, said, that evening, I said, what did dogs have to eat? He said, she said, Daddy, come back through the door. And my mother's name was Minerva. He said, Minerva, said, I done something I ain't never done in my life. She said, what'd you do? He said, I left four damn bow one tree. <laughs> they had a mother bound three cubs treated. Yeah. Mom, he took mom up there and she looked at him. That's cool. And de- and she walked up. It wasn't that far above the house because I heard mm-hmm. them treated that morning when I went walking out of there. Yeah. Uh, to Because I walked down to the school bus. It was a mile each way. <laughs> down in the morning, back in the evening uphill, but I walked a mile for 12 years. Oh, it wasn't uphill both, both ways? No, what? It's not like somebody <laughs> threw, threw 12 inches of snow. No, trust yeah. me. Uh, I did walk a lot because they didn't close schools in. But no. Uh, she said that the mother bow right after she got there, she saw it, mm-hmm. but he jumped out and left the cubs. Yeah. Everything went after her. Daddy said, I'm going to walk around here a little ways and see if they treat her again, What they didn't. Mm-hmm. She said she said there, she said she wished she'd have had the camera because yeah. she said she watched him bear the whole time daddy was gone and said they'd yawn and go to sleep. And <laughs> I think he's gone two or three hours before we come back. She sat down to the tree and watched the bear the whole time he was gone. Well, like you said, especially for bear not being common, I bet that was really I, that something. Was, that was unique back then. You didn't see you. Re, that's probably the first three cubs on a mother bear that I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. That um, and you know, I ever heard of around. I didn't see them, but I, yeah. ever heard of. Mm-hmm. And probably was daddy's too. Yeah, to have three cubs. We're back after eating dinner. So you're talking about your mom seeing that in a sow and uh, those three cubs. How much of a sight that was at that point in time? So. Roughly, how many bears did you guys get to you see, you know, annually? Well, we see a lot of them. It's all, well, not a lot of them, but most of them you seen was dead, was killed by a group or somebody else. Mm-hmm. But not many that they treed at nighttime like they did. You know, they they tree a lot of bear for that time. Mm-hmm. If you could nowadays have dogs running loose like they did then yeah it's no telling how many bad you'd see treat in a year's time mm-hmm. with the dogs with because being up there if i lived up there mm-hmm. and let my dogs run loose yeah. which would probably wouldn't be a good idea <laughs> with the cats and stuff <laughs> it's in around at other houses but still yeah, yeah you'd see a lot of bad treat compared to then mm-hmm. so did you guys you said you like you had your dogs loose did you go otherwise, like, did you travel to hunt at all, or did you just hunt there from the house a lot? My dad, we just hunted there. What I would do, we had a farm 
I'd get up in the mornings when I was out of school, Saturday morning, but I'm out for Christmas break, whenever, because mm-hmm. they had no early seasons back there then. It was all December, okay. like it is now. Uh, legally, you could kill mother bear and cubs. Okay. And that's why a lot of people killed bear, because they took, took all of them, which mm-hmm. they don't today, and I'm glad they don't. Yeah. I don't, I don't believe in it. But, uh, yeah, you, you could stay. There was a lot of bear killed, but a lot of them was mother bear and cubs. Okay. Uh, the last da- uh, bear that my daddy killed, uh, I can't remember the year, but he killed it with that old shotgun that I have now. Mm-hmm. It's a, a Remington uh, Model 12, 12-gauge pump shotgun. He used nothing but number one buckshot. Okay. And he killed, he, he said he lost exactly count, but he thought he killed in the mid-40s. He killed 40-something bear. He used to go, and you ask if he traveled, he traveled down to the dismal swamps. Okay. Yeah. Down there and, and hunted bear. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they really didn't have a lot of limit or nothing on bear back there then. On, okay. You know, you just kill bear. Yeah. He had to kill five bear down there one week himself. Wow. He shot five one week. I remember I mean, that. Especially for, like you said, I mean, not having a lot of bear. I mean, to kill 40 bears over the course of his life. It wouldn't be anything for you to have 40 bear kills as long as you've hunted. Especially nowadays. Oh gosh! I mean, if, and that's even if I had legally. a shot, if I had a shot, every bow we had treed, and every bow baited up, it would be hundreds of bow. Oh yeah, it wouldn't be forty; it mm-hmm. would be hundreds. Mm-hmm. I don't. I and you know yourself. I don't shoot bear. I take some person that's never killed a bear mm-hmm. or some kid. Yep. They are the future of hunting. You the future of hunting because you, you're not, you're not an old person. But I'm not the future of hunting. The future of hunting is long. I'm long past that. But still, like I said, you still, you could have killed a lot more. You've killed, what, six? Six bears. Six bears over over the course of 60-some years. And uh, and one of those I really didn't want to kill. I think I told you. Did I I tell you about the gun deal? Yes. The boy was shooting the bear and couldn't hit him, Mm -hmm. standing in a, and done tore up one of my dogs, so I shot the bear. He shot at him three times, standing still, broad open, out on a hickory tree limb, and couldn't hit him. The first time he shot, I don't, I don't know where the bullet went to, but I was looking around like, what's going on? Mm-hmm. Second time, he hit the limb at his feet, and he started moving. And the third time, he shot above him. I seen it go in there. I said, enough of this. Yeah. This boy ain't never killed a bear, and he ain't going to be able to kill one. Well, like you said, he already that bear had already tore up a dog, and you're yeah, no, it already tore up one, and and uh, and he's gonna tear up more, mm-hmm. especially if he wounds that bear. Yeah. I didn't want him wounded. Oh yeah, and definitely. and you got to shoot him. Put shoot, put the bullet in his head and be done with. It. Put a bullet right under his left eye and mm-hmm. told him, "There's your bear." <laughs> there you go. But, no, you've told me even even some of the other bear. Like it wasn't like you went in saying, "Oh, I'm gonna kill a bear today." It was just a bait up bear that was getting dogs or whatever. Oh yeah. So it's yeah. not even like you're, you try to fill a tag. I killed one in North Carolina that was bayed up, and it wasn't a great big bear, but it was a mean bear, mm-hmm. and it was fighting dogs, and I could see it, but the dogs was in front of it. It was thick. Mm-hmm. I walked around and put the, bullet, uh, put the gun right behind his ear and shot him. Yeah. Shot him in the head while he was standing. He didn't even know I was there. Yeah. The dogs was fighting him so badly that they was moving in and out on him. He was concentrating on them. Once he settled down, I just stuck a gun up and pulled the trigger. But uh, 
I'm, I'm not afraid of a bear. I've never been afraid of a bear. I've been chased by them, come almost <laughs> getting caught several times. Yeah. And I had one a couple of years ago I told you about. He chased me. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was after dark, and I was trying to get the dogs off of him, and he chased four of us. Yeah. Chased Riley Wilson and I, and then turned, and, and I was trying to get one of my dogs off of him, and he chased me, and then he turned and chased the other two fellows down the road. Yep. Chased me and Riley up the road, and. The other two fellas down there, right? You know, there is a thing called healthy fear. Yeah. I mean, obviously, you don't have any of that. No, because <laughs> I, I told you the story of the one that we treated was in a forks of the tree, and uh, uh, he was hanging up. Was, I'm guessing we killed the bear later. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was during the chase season, and we treated him. Yeah. And it was getting late in the evening, but uh, we killed it. A little elven year old girl killed it. We treated uh that bear was easy to treat for a big bear. He weighed four hundred and sixty five pounds and a little eleven year old girl killed her. That's a big bear. Killed her. Yeah, it was a big bear and he was hanging he was up on his tree and you'd step up in the forks and it was two big forks and he was hanging on one fork, leaning back against the other fork, just about the height of my hand, and I'm about five nine, five ten, and I could stand in the fork and reach up there. <laughs> and we got the dogs tied back. I got up in the fork and rubbed him on the butt while he was sitting there. He'd look at me. I'm not going to tell you what it was a fellow there had never been hunted, bear hunting before. I'm not going to tell you what he said. You all are, you know what, crazy. Yep. <laughs> His exact words he well, said. he ain't wrong. I've <laughs> no. hunted with you enough and talked to you enough to know that it's true. <laughs> <laughs> but... Uh, I don't know. I've just had a lot of fun bear hunting. Mm-hmm. I tell people I should have sense enough to quit, <laughs> but it's bred into me, and I don't have sense enough to quit. Yeah. I'm just one of them older people hanging on to what you've enjoyed all your life. Oh, yeah. And I laugh and tell people, I'm going to die in the woods. That's where I'm going to die. I don't intend on dying here at the house. I may die here at the house. It's not my intentions. Yeah. I'll fall dead up there one day. Uh, as Vincent Mitchell told me, we were up there. One night trying to get some dogs and out of the woods and was looking at the lights out over the city of Bedford. And I said, look at that scenery and those lights, Vincent. I said, if I die, I hope I die right here and you have to carry me out. And he said, I'm not carrying you anywhere. <laughs> he said, I'm going to grab you by your feet and drag you. And I said, no, that ain't a good idea. I said, because they'll probably run an autopsy on me and they'll determined that i was still living until you hit my head against that rock right there <laughs> and i said i'll be just as dead as I ever was and you probably be in the federal ten- penitentiary for killing me <laughs> but he he said i'm not gonna carry you i'm gonna drag you out of here i think you need to upgrade your alpha to, <laughs> to an alpha 200 i that way when, when you're out there having a heart attack you can at least hit the sos and tell, <laughs> so they know where to come get your body shoot i uh anymore if i go in the woods and i have several times during chase season this year I put a tracking collar with a beeper to, mm-hmm. to it on my belt okay. so they can find me. Yeah. I called Tim Campbell or whoever hunting with me at the time, and they may be working. I say, Tim, I'm going in, and you'll find my truck if I don't come out of such such place. Yeah. And I got, say, Little Jazz's collar on my belt. All yeah. he's got to do is get the GPS or the beeper, either one, walk right to me. Mm-hmm. That's, so, that's smart. It, it is. At my age, I mean, it, it's smart for anybody. You could fall and break your leg. If you got an additional collar, it's 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 smart. Well, that's why I just said the new alphas, 
they have a, an SOS button on Yeah, I know they do. So yep. that's why I'm saying you, yep. need to, you need to upgrade. But no, I don't. Not, <laughs> not at my age. I'll probably never own a new Alpha, the 200. But still, that's the way to do it. Just put, put the collar on your belt. Mm. You go down, it's still a signal there. Yeah. Uh, still a GPS signal for probably 24 to 30 hours. You know how y'all long you already had it cut on, and yeah. then there's a beeper calling that if it's good batteries, then it lasts for days. Yep, that you can find me. So that's what I do. I've done it several times this year, mm. and I think it's the correct thing that anybody should do if they in there by themselves. No, it makes sense. Like I said, if you're going to be by yourself, so yeah, it does. Now, how long did your dad hunt? Well, he started when he was very, very young, and he quit. Mama died in 1970, so Daddy would have been to, from uh, 19. So he would have been 68. He hunted till he was about 70. Okay. He quit before I, as old as I am now. He a little more sense than you. Apparently so. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently so. Now did did Pete hunt till he was older as well? Yeah, he did. Pete had some very good dogs, and he, uh, but he. Pete was like my daddy. They, they rode a horse till he couldn't ride any further. In other words, if they had a good dog, mm-hmm. they run him and run him and run him until they realized, oh, my God, I ain't trained nothing else. Yeah. Now, where, how am I going to kill a bow? Mm-hmm. And they done My daddy was guilty of it. Pete Wow was guilty of it. There's a lot of people guilty but of I'm it. But I'm not guilty of it because that's why you walk out to my kennel to see nine-month-old dogs and nine-year-old dogs. I, I learned a valuable lesson from both of them. Mm-hmm. It wasn't something they taught me. Just watching them, they taught me. Yep. And, and they, they, I don't think either one of them ever realized till Pete realized one time, hey, I don't have any dogs tree about. That's when he quit because okay. he knew to, at his age time he would get another set yeah, cable same. of it. He'd be too old. Mm-hmm. So he just quit. Uh, I seen a man named Gene Parker up here on this mountain. Same age, I graduated high school in 1965 with him. Gene went up to hunt with Mike Hubbard in uh, uh, Maine, and he couldn't tree a bow, and he told Mike and, and us, he said, I just realized something. He said, every dog that I have is either in a nursing home or kindergarten. Yeah. That summed it all up. Because mm-hmm. if you don't have anything, you know, yeah. Your old dogs can't catch a bow, and the young ones don't know how. Yep. He had nothing in between. He had year-old dogs and eight- and nine-year-old dogs. Eight- and nine-year-old dogs in these mountains, they ain't going to treat you many bow. Or they might treat you, if you get lucky, they might treat you easy bow. Yeah. But there's nothing in between, and there's, that's what he had. There's not too many easy bear. No, there's not in these mountains, they're not. Oh, no. I mean, although I will say I've seen some easy ones. The one we had today certainly wasn't an easy one because oh, he no. got away. Uh. But that 465-pound bow mm-hmm. that that little girl killed, he was easy. He he might have been the easiest bow that I've ever seen, big bow. Yeah. Because I know for a fact during the chase season and to the kill season, we treated that bow seven different times, like, same bow. Like you said, he learned the game. He learned the game. He'd come on back down, and the next time the dogs got on him, he'd just run a little ways and zip up a tree and wait for you to come and get the dog. After we'd done it a couple of times, he said, what the heck? Yep. They're not bothering me. I'll just, as soon as one of them closes close enough, I'll go up a tree. Yep. Them dumb hunters will come and take <laughs> them away, and I'll go back to wherever I was eating again, you know, and go back to feeding. And we did. I know it's the same bear, and, and we treat him seven times. It was the seventh time when she shot that bear. 
Mm-hmm. That bear, two dogs treed that bear. Yeah, that's not much. No. You know, for a bear that was definitely capable of. Oh, he could kill him if he wanted to, but he, he never fought him. He never cut a dog up in his seven trees. He never, ever cut a dog up. Mm-hmm. I wish they were all like that. Oh, yeah. Unfortunately, he's probably the only one I'll ever see in my lifetime. <laughs> but uh, I've, uh, you're talking about mother bear and cubs. I went one year up on Campbell's Mountain, and we rode in there, and we didn't get a track, and to come back out, and the struck red hot, a track that wasn't up there. We ran it by and treated. It didn't run very far. I turned the dogs off the truck, and they ran it and treated. We listened to the old chase when they pulled up and treated. Mm-hmm. We get up there, and it's about a 100-pound bad tree. He comes down, and he goes back the way he comes. And we go back and get in the truck and go around and go up another road. And when we get up out to a man's land, which I knew him really well, and he said, uh, I asked him, because I said, I got dog treat over here, going to go. When I got there, it was five bound in the tree. It was a mother bound four cubs. Wow. Only thing I can figure is he run right in on them, mm-hmm. and she put them up a tree and went up behind them. I treat six bow in about an hour and a half and don't have a clue how I done it. Yeah. I treat 10 bow that week. Of course, the six of them was them. I treat 10 yep. bow that week before I went to Maine to hunt with my cupboard. Mm-hmm. But I don't know how I done it. Yeah. It's, I'm just speculating on how it happened. It had to be how it happened. That little bow just ran right back toward her. Yep. And she caught her by surprise before she had time enough. She put him up a big mm-hmm. old tree there, and she's down below, and she was probably 250, 275 pound, big old mother bear. Yeah. And four of the pretty, only time in my life I've ever seen four cubs. Mm-hmm. I've seen three quite a few times, but never, that's the only time in my life, the one and only time. Okay. But, uh, I'm sure it's not. I mean, I've and never heard too many people. Never seen them again after we treat them. I guess she took them and left. Yeah. She moved on to somewhere else because I've never seen them again. She didn't like all that pressure. No, she don't like it around those cubs. But I can tell you right now, she was popping, slapping that tree. She would have, done a number on some dogs mm. if if but thank god she stayed up out with them cubs yeah and i mean it, it was the only time i've ever walked and all you could see is just a black mass in a tree you, all you could <laughs> see was bow yeah when you were looking through the trees it was just black because the cubs were spaced just right and she right down below them mm. in a fork and i mean it it was a, bow, a tree full of bow <laughs> yep definitely Almost like Christmas. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that is Christmas. Did your uh, dad or Pete or anybody else that you know went growing up, did they hunt off a of horseback or mules or anything like that? Or just you guys all just walk? Well, all walking, but i tell you what. My, I got a nephew, Pete's son, mm-hmm. Edward, who's still a bear hunter. He and Steve Croft took horses first day of bear season one year. They rode horses. Mm-hmm. Somebody in the group asked Ed, said, are you going to be able to, can you shoot off the back of that horse? Ed said, I can shoot off the back of any horse one time, (laughs) meaning that he might get thrown off. But they go up there, and the dogs are running the bear. Mm -hmm. And they heard the dogs coming. They still on their horse. And the bear come up over a log. Both of them saw it at the same time. They already had the rifle. Ed threw it up and pulled the trigger. It's a true story. 
and Steve pulled the trigger right behind him. And he had turned around and looked at Steve. Steve was on the horse beside him and said, what are you shooting for? The bow's dead. Steve said, I, uh, Steve said, how, how do you know it's dead? Ed said, because I shot him between the eyes. He had a bullet right <laughs> between his eyes when he went down there to him. I looked wow. at the bow. He shot him right dead between the eyes. When he come up over that log and stopped and looked at them horses, he yeah. put a bullet right dead between his eyes, killed him stone dead. Nice. But Ed said, I, I, I know he's dead because I shot him between the eyes. And he was right. I imagine he dropped about the time Steve pulled the trigger and his bullet probably went over top of him. Yeah. But they did. They they did shoot for my horses, both of them, that hmm. day. It's impressive. Yeah. I wouldn't try it. I wouldn't <laughs> want to do it. No. Uh-uh. I don't blame you. I wouldn't either. But I just didn't know because back in these mountains, back in those days, I'm sure there was a lot of horses and mules. Oh, it still, was. Still around being used for, Yeah, it, know, it used for stuff like that. And a lot of people coon hunted on mules. Mm-hmm. They, uh, you ever seen a mule jump a fence? I've never personally, but I've seen videos and stuff. Have you ever seen them where they lay the jacket on the barbed wire and they mm-hmm. jump over? So, Have you ever seen the movie where the red fern grows? I mean, come on, they they do it right there in the movie. Yeah, I know it. Yeah, they do. So uh, it's I never hunted from horse. I've rode horses before and all, not a lot, but mm-hmm. uh, never hunted from horseback. I. I could visualize a horse getting up in them rocks and breaking a leg or something, and you have to shoot the horse, and I don't get that. <laughs> I wouldn't want to have to shoot a horse. Yeah. Not excited. I just wasn't sure if that was something that you were around when you were a kid. Yeah. Now, you showed me a picture, like we, were, we talked about at the beginning of this. Um, how many bear are on that barn? Well, there's five in the picture, mm-hmm. and I think it's eight, if I remember. There's three around the corner and a lot more coon hides. I think it was eight bear and like 30-some coon hides on that barn. Now, the coon hides is deceiving because Daddy's brother, Tom, hence had done a lot of trapping. Okay. He caught a lot of them by trap, but a lot of them was caught by dogs, too, mm-hmm. uh, because the coons wasn't like they are now. It was coons, but not like they are now. Yeah. But the bear was hard to come by, but that was... That was a 56 hunting season. That picture was taken in. Yeah. I was 10 years old in that picture. Mm-hmm. It has. And there's not, uh, to my recollection, me and my brother Clyde, Alan Overstreet, Leslie Overstreet, and Dennis Mitchell is the only five in, the, in that entire picture still living. And my brother wow. Clyde's 78. I'm 74. Uh, Dennis is my age, 74. Alan and Leslie are a little bit younger than me. Mm-hmm. So all of them's closing on 70 or above. Yeah. Still in that picture taken in 1957. Of your siblings, I know you said your oldest brother bear hunted. Did any of your other siblings hunt? Uh, uh, Clyde hunted some early okay. on. And the rest of them was sisters, Karen and Christine. Okay. And uh, it was three boys and two girls. Gotcha. But uh, Clyde hunted some early on, and he's killed bear, mm-hmm. several bear. But he he just quit it. Well, he's working for the railroad, mm. and he wasn't able to. Yeah. Like gotcha. me, I was. I eventually came self-employed and got my priorities in order. I had hunting first <laughs> and working <Yeah>. second. <laughs> my wife didn't think very much of it, but, hey, it was good for me. Yep, definitely. <laughs> I need to get on that gravy train. Yeah. Hunting first and then, then work. Yeah, uh-huh. that's what I tell these people. Well, I don't know whether I'll be able to go tomorrow or not. I need to check what I got to do. And I said, you don't have your priorities in order, son. You need to, <laughs> you need to step up your game. Yeah. Uh, but it ain't many people nowadays going to go tell his wife, hey, I'm going hunting tomorrow. <laughs> you know, instead uh, of working, it ain't going to happen. There's not too many people that would tell their employer that either. Yeah, no, you're right. You better not. But I was, I ran this business for about 30-some years, and 
I've been fortunate enough to bear on a lot. Yeah. North Carolina, Maine, Wisconsin, Tennessee, West Virginia, and Virginia, Canada. I've been to Canada. Nice. A couple times up there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'll tell you something. A joke, Charles Montgomery, who was a big-time bear hunter, we went up to Sudbury, Canada. We were sitting there that evening. The sun was going down, and somebody looked at me and said, Hensley said, which way is north from here? I said, well, the sun comes up in the east and it sets in the west, so this has got to be north. Charles said, oh, Wayne, ain't as dumb as you thought he was. <laughs> they thought I was going to get up in Canada and get lost is what they thought. They ain't going to have to come find me. Yeah. I said, Wayne, ain't as dumb as you think he is. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, no, I've been in them swamps down in North Carolina. Take a compass. Yeah, you better. Because there's no landmarks. And I've I've went in. I had say I went in on a power line. What power poles went up the side of this road, mm-hmm. and I went to the right of the truck to the passenger side. I took a, com- a compass when I come out of there. I was two power poles down from the truck. I don't yeah. figure it's bad. It's the first time I ever used it, wow. and I really didn't know how to read one. But I didn't let that thing. I looked which way it was going, going in. Mm-hmm. And when I started back, I knew it had to be opposite of that. Yep. And I'd walk a little distance and I'd pull it. And, and if, if it was to the left, I went to the left. If it was to the right, I went to the right. I come at two power poles, blow that truck on that right away and yeah. rode down through that. Now, when I was in Michigan, those, a lot of those guys still carry compass just because GPSs die, fail, whatever. And that's what they said. They're like, and the, you get one of these big cedar swamps where there's no landmarks you can't see. It's so thick. It's that's that's your guide. That's your guide. It has to be so thick. But I'll tell you a story. I went with a guy <laughs> up in Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. Dave Brains, heck of a nice fella. Fisher Creek Outfitters. I think Dave. Last time I heard, he had all Alzheimer's very badly. Maybe dead now. I don't know. But anyhow, we were had some dogs lost back in there. And of course, that's before they had GPS. You just had track a uh, beeper system and. We go there, and it's a big rock there. Mm-hmm. Me and him and Fred Wow, Pete Wow's others. Fred and Ed were twins. Okay. And uh, we went around. We walked. We walked. We walked, and we come back. And Fred said, "Dave said, hey, we be are, are we walking in circles?" Said, "This looks awful for me." No, no. Said, "We going the right way." And he's smoking a cigarette. He puts a cigarette out on a rock, and we make that hike again and come back, and there's a cigarette. <laughs> we made that same hike twice around through that. And uh, he said, Dave, we turned around. said, we're going in circles. There's that cigarette. Dave said, dumb if it ain't. And I looked at Fred, and I said, you know you're in trouble when the guy's lost. Yeah, <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> I know whether he's going to get out of there or not. Mm-hmm. But he got us out. But I had to laugh at Dave. Oh, he, we had a bad treat up there. I thought it was funny as heck, and it was about 100 yards off the road, and it was a posted sign on every tree almost. Mm-hmm. If you'd have leaned your hand up, if you was blind and leaned your hand up on a tree, you'd have felt a posted sign. You knew it was posted. <laughs> Dave walked over and leaned over and looked at that sign and said, where it said no hunting, he said, hunters welcome, y'all come on. <laughs> <laughs> we went on into the dogs. We didn't kill it by, but we got those dogs, which you wasn't supposed to do it. But, yeah, he said, yeah. hunters welcome. I looked at Fred well, and I said, well, hell, we, he'll be in jail with us, I reckon. Let's go. <laughs> and maybe his wife will come over and get us out. Yeah. But uh, I've hunted a lot of states like that and had – I probably enjoyed West Virginia and North Carolina's more than any of them. Mm-hmm. North Carolina's rough, thick, 
but I just like to hunt down there. Yeah. Especially as I get older, because it's flat as my living room floor, and I'd still get around good on flat land. Not so much these mountains. For everybody listening, he's a liar. He still gets around these mountains better than most. So, <laughs> better than most my age. Maybe no, say better, it that better than most in general. No, better than most my age because, uh, like I say, I see so many people my age that they. Well, I I refer back to what I've always said. If I showed you where most of my friends reside, I'd need to take you to the cemetery. Yeah. Because most of them's gone. Half of them probably gone. Mm-hmm. And half of the ones that's left can't hardly shift their feet to move. Yep. And I don't mean knock them, but they never done nothing. They retired and sat down in a chair, get fat and lazy, yep. and can't do anything. An and I guy, refuse to do that. An old guy that I work with, one time I asked him, he's, he's in his mid-80s. He still works part-time. And I asked him, I said, Kenny, why don't you retire? He goes, why? Because if I can sit at home and die? He goes, everyone that I know that's retired sits at home for a year, two, three, you know, and dies. He goes, I ain't going to do that. He's like, keep on working. And he, he still drove. He, he kept a CDL up until he was like 83. I want to say he's like 86 now. Yeah. But that's why. Mm-hmm. My dad, like I said, was 93. He had cattle. He fooled with until he was 88 years old. He had cattle up there on that farm. Mm-hmm. And uh, my sisters said one day, said, one of them cattle's going to kick him, kill him. I said, so what? I said, at least we find him dead in the barn lot. We know how he died. I said, you take those cows away from him and daddy will die quickly. That's yeah. all he knows. Yeah. He's fooled with cows all of his life. Leave him the hell alone and let him live his life. Mm-hmm. And they finally just give up on it, and and he finally give the cows up when he's about eighty eight. Yeah, and then live. But there's a difference when you let something go yourself. Yourself, yeah. It's all like hunting. I'll make that decision, or God will make it for me. He'll take me one or the other. Yep. Won't nobody make it for me. My wife, if we live to be August the fourth of next year, be married fifty years. Mm-hmm. She won't make that decision for me. Wayne will make that decision, or God will make it for me. Judy knows better. Yeah, she knows better. Well, she, <laughs> she. She never hunted, but she tolerates me hunting, yep. which is about, I tell people, one of my favorite sayings there, half the population tolerate, uh, uh, don't even like a hunter. The other half just tolerates us. And you tick one of them off and make them mad, you'd have lost another one that's over on the other side that hates you as a hunter yep. or hates every hunter. Yep. And there's plenty of those out there. When you heard what the man said today about that man in the house when he come out in the road where yep. you and I was sitting, Cussing, or I think, and telling him better not go on his land and better not hunt on his land. Well, yep. nobody hunting on his land. We're trying to get the dogs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, unfortunately, they went the wrong way. If they would have went back into the National Forest, instead out towards that private ground. Yeah, he would have been a dead bow. Yep. But he didn't. Got away. Got away into the, I would imagine, into the game reserve up there. I would yeah. imagine where he went. But, <clears throat> and it's amazing about that game reserve. It, Peaks of Otter, Sharp Top, they call it, and, and uh, Flat Top Mountain here along the Blue Ridge Parkway. It's been a game reserve all my life, mm-hmm. and I hope it remains because it keeps us a lot of bear here. Yeah. But those bear, I swear I believe the mothers teach them when they're young where the boundary's at because mm-hmm. I can't count on my fingers and toes a bear that I've seen or we've treed 100 yards inside that boundary line. Yep. Across Stony Creek, 
cross the road, cross the creek, and then, then the boundary starts. Yep. And they just go up a tree <laughs> and just stay there until you get the dog because it's like, hey, no, heck, I'm safe now. They can't shoot me. Yep. Now, I was talking to somebody that uh, hunts in North Carolina, same kind of thing. There's a bear preserve. They can't hunt. He said, they know. They know. They know you can't hunt there. And he was, and that is the, when, when you get on one, that is where they're going. They go straight to it. We could, a lot of people call it the big house up here. It's what they call it. He's going to, when you hear somebody on the radio say he's headed to the big house, yep. you better be there to get your dogs if you can get them. Because mm-hmm. Tim and I was running one uh, last year during the chases. His queenie dog and a rebel dog gets out of my kennel. Uh, at bow, he went down on the other side of the mountain. We got part of the dogs off it and gotten behind because mm-hmm. it was hot on the Blue Ridge Parkway. He goes down. I seen him down uh, Jennings Creek, and, and them dogs are flying on that bow. And it wasn't a very big bow. We'd seen the bow. And Jim said, Wayne, and I was waiting for some more dogs to come, mm-hmm. and he hadn't been gone. He said, they took the right-hand turn and pulling straight back to the parkway. I said, son, you better get your butt back up here, floorboarded, and get around there because he's headed in the flat top. And he got around there just for them dogs coming into the road on the parkway. Yeah. The bad didn't already cross, and they was going on back in the flat top. And, mm-hmm. I, it, you know, it, when you see them headed there, yep. they know they're safe, and that's where they're going. Yep. But I've treated them in there. I've baited them under rocks in there. I've pulled dogs out of holes in there. that. Crawl in there in a hole and pull him by the tail out, and and you better be very careful when you grab him by the tail, because if he thinks that bow's got him, he'll eat you up, because your face is right there at his butt, and yep. he'll eat you up. Think that bow's got him. Yep. But the probably the worst one I've ever seen in a hole was in West Virginia, and the dogs I had two or three dogs on it, and the people in West Virginia had dogs on it, and it come down, and it went in a big culvert. It was a water cover there it, next to one of them coal mines, but it you could you could you, you couldn't stand up in it, but a bow could stand up in it. Yeah, you had to crawl in it, but you still had plenty of room above you when you crawled, but you couldn't stand. Mm-hmm. You might could stand up on your knees in there, like a four foot probably. Yeah, at least. But the problem was the bow went in the up end where the water went in. There wasn't no water there then, mm-hmm. because it was dry. But the other end was about 30 foot dropped to the ground, and the bow went down there and realized, uh-oh, and he turned around and started fighting dogs. And yeah. I had a dog in that hole in that cover, and a man from West Virginia went in there and got him out. I don't know that I was stupid enough to go in there. Yeah. He was either brave or stupid or a combination of both, but he got him <laughs> out safely. Yeah. But that bow just stood back at the end of that hole. You go down on the lower side, you couldn't even see the bow, but you could hear that echo. Yeah. And, uh, of them in there, and so they, uh, he got them all out. That bass stayed there, didn't break, try to come out of nothing. He knew he couldn't go out the lower side without yeah. falling the distance, and he just stayed there at the end of that pipe until he backed out with that last dog. Jeez. And we pulled the dogs away, he's still in that pipe. That's crazy. It, uh, like you said, that's the worst one I've ever seen, but I didn't go in stupid, I don't know, but yeah, a combination of both. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would say more stupid than brave. <laughs> uh, when you're stupid, you're probably really brave. <laughs> I would think. Well, you know, John Wayne said, "If you're gonna be dumb, you gotta be tough." You gotta be tough. That's exactly right. And I've, uh, uh, no, I've, I've done some crazy things around bow. But uh, several years ago, we was run during the chase scene. The dogs treated bow after dark, and uh, I had a rebel dog, and I tied it was a small bow, and I tied him back 
was a log there, and I tied him back to an ivy bush behind the log. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to get a better look at the bow, and I cut the light on and walked walked between Rebel and the bow. Mm-hmm. And about the time I went to cut my headlamp on to look up at the bow, they hollered, look out, Hensley, he's coming out. And that bow come down right beside me, and he come all the way to the ground. Mm-hmm. All the dogs was tied. I wasn't, yeah. worried about, I wasn't thinking about nothing. But Rebel lunged at that bow. He come over that log and lunged, and yep. he grabbed me in the back of the leg right here Ooh. above my knee. Sunk four holes, two top and two bottom across that muscle. I'll tell you what, if he had if if he hadn't caught it, if I he jerked me back over the log all the way back to him when he realized it wasn't a bow, he turned me loose. Yeah. I'm surprised that he didn't go on and try to tire me up. And mm-hmm. he could have killed me right there. I didn't even see it coming. It was the, the light of my headlamp flew off and everything. He jerked me back over that log mm-hmm. and uh he uh he let go. And I got up and I started dropping my britches, and he, I had four holes on each side of that muscle, but he caught just enough of that bone, yep. and he let go quick enough. But he, I, I figured the muscles pulled away from that bone, but it wasn't. It, I tell you what, you talking about sore for two or three weeks? I couldn't hardly walk. But somebody asked me later, said Wayne, what would you done if we'd have had a woman with you? I said I'd have pulled my britches down just like I did while y'all was out. <laughs> I wouldn't have cared who was standing now. Because yeah. I had to find out how bad my leg was oh, torn. Because yeah. it was, I mean, it was just painful. But he, There's a little difference in modesty when a, there's a medical yeah, issue. <laughs> you and you. When it's a medical issue, the heck with the modest part about it. Yep. Male, female, it, it don't make any difference. I would have pulled my pants down right in front of her. That's funny. Wouldn't have made any difference. <laughs> but, yeah, they, uh, I've had some close calls with Bear. Uh, I, uh, the funniest one I've seen, we went in down North Carolina on a bath and them baths make them tunnels. They look like igloos through that thick stuff. And yeah. a lot of times they'll go up there and it's the only way to get into them is crawl through there with your gun in your hand. Forget and, uh, that. huh? That just sounds like madness. Like, you know, crawl through a tunnel that, you know, bear, goes you know, through. the bears stuck back there somewhere. Or another Ed Ware and, uh, Calvin Angus and we'll crawled in there. And I crawled in, but I was behind them. It, Calvin's in front. Ed was here, and I'm behind. And the bow, when he saw us, the only way in, the only way out that path. Yeah. He charged right through the dogs and charged right at us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Calvin threw the gun up, bam. That bow flopped down. He, and he turned around. I got him, I got him, got him, got him. He had said, you better shoot again. He's getting up. He was getting fixed to get up to charge us again. <laughs> Ed was looking at him. I couldn't see him because, yeah. you know, through the, through the yeah, tunnel. Yeah. He, he shot him again and killed him then. But the dogs had about got to him then was all over top of him. But, yeah, he'd, he didn't totally kill him, and he was so happy to kill that big bow. He didn't even realize he was still had life in him. Jeez. But uh, I'll tell you the story about the one I shot. Uh, Richard Martin, who's dead and gone now, he died about three years ago. He's 81 years old. Thought a lot of Richard, lived in North Carolina, wrote a lot of articles for Full Cry magazine okay. about the Big Bear Club and stuff. If anybody's got any old uh, books of Full Cry, mm-hmm. in there he wrote for years, and I hunted with him a lot. And We went down there one day, and well, nobody but me and Richard. He was in his 70s. I'm in my 60s. <laughs> That's a real crew right there. Yeah. <laughs> so 
the fellas, we hadn't found no track, and the fellas in the deer club asked, come holler Rich on the race. said, Rich, it's a, just run about a block over here if y'all want to run him. And uh, Rich said, where at? He said, we put a, a, a Mountain Dew can on a stick there right outside the road on the tree limb. So that's where he crossed. Said, if you're going down that road, said, he's crossing from your uh, uh, right to your left. And he was. The track of dogs blew up. We turned, I turned loose six dogs, and he turned loose three. Mm-hmm. They went across that block, got to another road, got her across that before we could get there. So we hustled back, and I said, I, Richard, I'm going to stay here while you go around there. Well, he gets up on the upper end. See, you had beeper systems then, didn't have no GPS. Okay. And the tree switches started going off. And I said, Richard, the bow's treed. Wayne, the bow's not treed. He's on the ground baying. I said, Richard, the bow's treed. I know my system and the bow's up in the air. He said, well, there ain't no trees in there big enough for him to go up his planted pines. I said, I don't care the bow's off the ground. I'm certain he is. He said, well, come on around here. I'm a lot closer to him than you are. So I did, and I go around, and he was right. So I said, well, I'm going to go in there, and if he is up a tree, and I looked over my left, and it was big timber, but the bow never made it to it. Yeah. If he'd have made a little bit, another 150 yards, he'd have been in big timber where mm-hmm. it wasn't planted pine. So I go in there. We got nine dogs there. And that old bandit dog of mine that was almost 14, uh, uh, 15 years old that died about three or four weeks ago, Yeah, he was one of them. And re- I get there, and I'm getting closer and closer and closer, and I thought, my God, Richard's right. This bow's on the ground. And there's nine dogs around him, and he's sticking here. I yeah. don't know what I'm going to encounter here. So I kept walking, and I got there, and it was about a four or six-inch planted pine at the bottom, and he was up it. <laughs> they must have put some heat on him. But bow weighed 250 right on his nose. He was up there, and he'd gone up so far, and it was bending over. <laughs> and I said, I looked up and said, we weren't going to shoot the bow. Yeah. We are going to let him go unless somebody in the club wanted to kill him. But he wasn't going to stay there long up that little old bush. And the dogs could almost jump and grab him. Mm-hmm. And uh, I said, well, let me see if I can get him. So I caught two dogs. When I went and tied them back, looked at him. He said, they're fine, just calm. I had that 375 rifle of mine, and I shoot left-handed. And I reached and I caught Bandit. And when I bent over to catch Bandit with my right hand, a tree limb hit me in the top of my back. And I thought, uh-oh, what's going on here? And when I stood back up, his butt was at the top of my head. He was backing down. Yeah. But I was standing at the tree. I said, uh-uh, Wayne, you too old to be in this situation. I got to do something here. I never did even turn Bandit loose. I pulled the hammer back on that 375, and I stuck it. He was hugged around that tree. I stuck a gun right up under his left leg, right against the tree, and when I pulled the trigger, I shot him right through the – when I put the bullet through his throat, yeah. it, it it grazed the inside of his left leg, went through the th- – up into his brain. Mm-hmm. I, I, when I pulled the trigger, I took one step back, and the bow fell right where I was standing. Jeez. And the dogs piled on him, and I finally got all of them off. And and uh, I called Richard. I stepped back where I could hear on the road. I said, Richard, the bow was treed. The bow's dead, and he was treed. Richard said, he was? said, what was he up? I said, one of these planted pines. He said, really? I said, yep, it always goes back 
to what your own boy has been saying for years. If you put enough heat on his butt, he'll climb an axe handle. <laughs> oh, Rich, oh, uh, Jerome used to, that one of his favorite saying. Yeah. You put enough heat on him, on his, you know what, he'll climb an axe handle. <laughs> and I laughed, and Richard uh, mumbled something on the radio. But we stand now with a nine dogs, 250-pound bow. So I took a collar off, laid it on the dog, on the bow. I brought two or three dogs. I think I brought three dogs out. Left them other five in out. Yeah. Tied back. I said, Richard, what are we going to do? I had to kill it. But I didn't have a choice. I was going to get killed myself or he killed some of the dogs. We'd never get them all. He said, don't you worry, Wayne. And he had a little old black book in his truck where he kept names. He called Ralph Sheffield and his son, Ralph and uh, Reed. They still bear hunt down there. Kill a lot of bear. Mm-hmm. I've been following them on Facebook and all yeah. this hunting season. I, I had never met them at that point. He called them and said, we need some help. And Ralph said, we got a dog over here that's trailing, but it, it ain't going to do nothing. He said, as soon as we gather up his dog, he said, where you at, Rich? He said, we come help you. He brought, he come over and he had this big old boy with him. He introduced Ralph and Reed, shook hands with him. He had this big boy with him, and I said, you look like a football player. He was 6'5 and weighed, I think, 265 pounds. He was a man. Yeah. He said, yeah, I did play football. He said, I graduated this past year or this year. He mm-hmm. said, I played on the state championship football team. I said, I believe that. Yeah. We went in there, took machetes, went back in there, and uh, we walked, found the bow, took a little bit to find the bow because the dogs, they didn't got quiet and laid down. They was tired. Yeah. We took the dogs out, come back, and me and Reed took a machete and cut a trail. Mm-hmm. That boy that was a football player, drug that bow all the way to the canal across from the truck like it was a groundhog. Jeez. By himself. He was <laughs> moving that bow as fast as we could cut the limbs off and the brows back and make him a path. And Richard and Ralph walked with the coats and our guns mm-hmm. coming out of there. All righty. Now we can finish this up after multiple phone calls, <laughs> eating dinner, a technical difficulty that sent me to Walmart. No, only a couple hours after we tried to start this thing. So, after all these years of bear hunting, anything you want to share with people? Like what? You tell me. <laughs> I don't know. Any life lessons, things you've learned? Yeah, I think you and I were discussing. About training dogs, mm-hmm. I found out something my daddy always taught me. A dog does best in his own environment. If you're trying to start a dog with on a cage coon or something, you start it in his own kennel. You set it outside, let him bay at it. Set it inside. If you don't bay at it, put another dog in there with him. But you do that before you take the coon out there, get them adjusted to each other. Let that one dog start baying, and I guarantee if it's any bay in him, he'll be baying it in a few minutes in his own kennel. A lot of people jerk him out, take him out in the woods somewhere or another and with the coon, and they all they want to do is new surroundings, and all they want to do is play. Mm-hmm. But you leave them in that lot. Once they get adjusted, put a dog in there. You know it's going to be the coons. You leave them out, too. Go back and then take the coon to them. Yeah. I found out's the best way. I've always thought that, and it works. Uh and I'll tell you something else, a possum is better than a coon to train a puppy with. Mm-hmm. You can put on a pair of gloves, catch him by a tail, let him walk right up beside the kennel. And if you got to a, a, put a piece of panel up on top of your kennel, mm-hmm. let him walk right across it. Yeah. 
put a string on his tail or somewhere, you know it ain't coming off, and you just pull him back, and he'll start baying at it and treeing. He'll start looking up treeing at it. Well, heck, I just pass one on the road. Let's go get it. <laughs> we can do it. I can catch him. At my age, I can catch him. <laughs> so, well, in the beginning of this, I, I jokingly said I, I call you Uncle Wayne. It was funny. I, now, it's been a year, about a year and a half ago, because you said, that's how Pash is 17 months old, I guess. Mm-hmm. So, yep. yeah. You know, a couple months more than that, because I brought her mother down to breed her to your ninja dog, and it was right in the beginning of all that COVID mess, and it was funny. I was talking to a, another guy as I was driving down here, and he's like, aren't there restrictions over there? He's he's out in Michigan. But, you know, Michigan was locked down tight. And he's like, aren't there restrictions over there? I said, yeah, there are. I said, but you're allowed to go visit family, and I'm going to visit my Uncle Wayne. <laughs> I said, how are they going to say anything else? <laughs> I just laughed. I'm like going to visit my uncle wayne uncle I mean, wayne it's family i don't know bj started calling me that and everybody calls me that now uncle mm-hmm. wayne but well you heard what cody said today about the bow about getting his attention and all yeah they pick people pick up stuff it's it's amazing and i'm gonna tell tell you this story people don't realize and i didn't how much people pay attention People that you don't think pay attention. Mm-hmm. So, a gentleman down the road, Jerry Roger Clark, comes by Christmas to I do those plates for his plaques for the Masonic and Rebecca Lodge over here. Mm-hmm. And he come down the other year, and he's sitting talking, and he said, Wayne Josh Overstreet used to live across the road over here. I said, where is he at now? I said, he's over he's in the National Guard. He's over in Qatar or Qatar, whatever you want to call it. He said, I didn't know that, but... Uh, I said, he's due to come back any time, and he said, uh, did you know that that boy called you daddy? I said, yeah, I knew he did. Many, I've heard him, many people told me that he called me daddy. Mm-hmm. He actually called me daddy, and he has a daddy, because he started hunting with me when he was 15. He killed two by our tree, both of them for him. One, the first one he ever killed weighed 420 pounds, is up a tree, a nice, nice. bear. And I told him, I said, uh, you know, he he talked on me, and he said, Wayne said, uh, that boy thought the world of you, thinks the world of you. And I said, well, I'm glad to know that because I tried to lead him in the right direction. And I said, youth is what it's all about. Oh, yeah. And uh, he said, you doing any coon hunting? I said, very little. He said, you ever want to go? My place is open to you anytime you want to go. You come on. He said, just come on and hunt. And some like one like Roger Clark who doesn't hunt himself, you don't pay attention. You don't think somebody like that is watching yep. and taking it all in, but he did apparently. Mm-hmm. And uh, he commented on what what he said about me and all. And uh, and then when I was inducted into the uh, Virginia Browners Hall of Fame, he uh, he's the one who sent it in. Okay. He, he sent it in the write-up. Mm-hmm. And I didn't even know it till I got my newsletter that he had nominated me for it. Oh, that's awesome. And, uh, you know, he helped me a lot. I, I laughed uh, when Richard uh, Sprinkle was, was the president then when they nominated me over there at that meeting. Mm-hmm. And uh, he said, uh, we have a nomination here for Wayne Hensley, but I think he might have been the one that sent it in. I said, God, Richard, don't tell people. Most people don't know that. <laughs> I went along with the joke. But, yeah, yeah they uh, he nominated me for it and talked about how he started hunting with me and the leopard curs and all that I hunted. Yeah. And he actually said, uh, I nominate Wayne Hens- 
Well, he said, I nominate Wayne Henson for Virginia Browners Hall of Fame and then, and uh, talked about my amazing leopard curves. <laughs> but I'm going to tell you something about the amazing part of dogs is I had a fellow one time that his, he started bragging on my dog, but he, but he hadn't been bear hunting long. Mm-hmm. I said, it ain't hard, hard to, to impress somebody that don't know nothing about dogs. <laughs> yeah. I said, that a little bit harder when you, you yep. know, when you start – having an actual dog hunter that knows what the heck's going on yeah i said but it's not hard and i also told that same fellow one day he had a dog he never had any dogs run around he finally got one mm-hmm. i s- s- directed him a man had a red bone dog says good dog mm-hmm. he buys, buys a dog and we up up to maine we had just a beeper system then he's out there trying to find where his dog's at he walked over mm-hmm. and he said wayne <laughs> he said Will you take his thing tell me where my dog's at? He said, I don't know much about it. I said, yeah, most people who never had a dog get past, uh, get out of the road don't need to figure out how to use one of these things. <laughs> but I, I kid with people. Anybody knows me, I, oh, yeah. I'll say anything to anybody. Oh, well, I've learned. <laughs> <laughs> but so. I never met a stranger. Never no. met a, but I have. I've taken, I, I think I counted back here not too long ago. In the last 15 years, I've taken 31 people that killed the first bow. Wow. The youngest one was nine years old, which was Graydon Henson, BJ's mm-hmm. uh, uh, son. That bow weighed three-something that we treed up there where we went today. Mm-hmm. And the oldest one was 60 years old. Wow. Donnie Cox. And I took Donnie. 60 years old, never killed a bear before. Never killed a bear, but he hunted with some people, just never got a chance to kill a bear. Mm-hmm. And Donnie, I took him to West Virginia. He come up and spent the night in a motel with me and went Monday morning, first day of season. We treed, treed the bow. He killed the bow. We brought it back up there to the camp where the rest of them were staying. Gutted the bow, skinned it out, quartered it up, put it in the cooler, and by 12 o'clock, he's on his way back to Virginia. He <laughs> 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 it one day. He told me later, he said, Wayne, I'm 60 years old, never killed a bow. I said, you've been hunting with the wrong man. Yeah. That's <laughs> <laughs> what come to my mind to tell him, but it, it, it was lucky the way it happened. And mm-hmm. it, a lot of hunting is luck. Oh, yeah. I mean, with dogs and without dogs, it's luck. Being yep. in the right place at the right time. Like you said, I mean, where we hunted today, you end up in that game preserve a lot just because where you're, how close you are. And yeah. So you get lucky when you. You get lucky if, if, it, I'll be honest with you, if that bow wasn't standing where it was at today, it'd be a dead bow right now. Mm-hmm. But right at that man's house, yep. can't do that. Yep. And Cody done the right thing. Yeah, definitely. Let a nice, probably, possibly 250-pound bow get away. Yep. Nice bow. But that's hunting. It's called hunting. I'll not remind you, it's not killing. That's yep. why it's called hunting. You hunt. You don't kill. Not, yep. not very near as much as you hunt. Oh, yeah. So. Uh, I enjoy it. This is the fourth year I've bear hunted, and I've seen only a couple of bear. Ever. Right, you've you've hunted me two or three times is all, mm-hmm. and then today, tomorrow might may we may change that tomorrow. Hopefully, we do because they got some bows down there on the game cameras, and mm-hmm. we just might be able to get one tomorrow. Hopefully, I mean, we'll, we'll see. We knew we knew where they were bear today. Oh yeah, we <laughs> knew those bows that day, and I told you. I told you the last two times I rode them dogs up that road, I treat a bow. Yep. Didn't treat this one, but come close to it. Yep, got on him. Got on him quickly, really. Yep. Heck, I, what did I go, a couple hundred yards before they took off out? Well, yep. they went to the left, come back behind us, and went over to the right and yep. struck a track and left. 
I knew it was a bow down. When you see them dogs start smelling, I watched that ninja dog, and when he put his head down, I told you, I said, they gone out there yep. right good distance. And then all of a sudden, I said, no, nah, they didn't come back behind us, gone to that side. And that's when we heard them running. Yep. Uh, but you trust your dogs. Always trust your dogs. Even if a dog is wrong, you got to put trust in them. If, if you got to go out there and jump a bow, you don't need the dog. Yep. Just shoot the bow and be done with it. You, gotta, you have to trust your dogs. Mm-hmm. I don't care what age they are, you trust them. Well, you saw the dog out of your jeep. That dog was young, but I turned her loose with them. Yeah. She went right out of there with them and stayed with them. She finally did get kicked out, but she went a long ways before she got kicked out. She was a mile. Huh? They were. They was about a mile and a half when she got kicked out. Yeah. And that's in some rough terrain. Yep. But she's figuring it out very quickly, and she'll she'll be there by spring of the year. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, get about two kill to tomorrow, or by tomorrow, and several before the season goes out. Yep. Maybe in North Carolina when I go down there two weeks. Well, actually, two weeks from today. Okay. We go down there, honey. Yeah. So, well, we're gonna hop off of here. So a few weeks ago, before Christmas, I went on Facebook Live and read some some trivia questions off and announced a contest. And I have yet to have anybody actually answer those questions. So contest is still going on, and I'm actually going to change the rules a little bit, make it a little bit easier. Because I guess maybe it was too hard. Maybe it's just because the holidays. I don't really know. But I hope uh, to hear from some of you guys. I have five trivia questions. The first five people. To answer each question individually, so if you an- so if somebody has already answered question one, that question gets deleted. So the first person to answer each question individually will win a code for an audiobook for Joseph Krantz's The Last Coon Hunter. I listened to it. I really enjoyed it. The first person to answer all five questions will get a Tree Talking Time t-shirt, a full cry hat, and a sticker pack from Tree Talking Time W and Conkeys. So question one, whose secret family recipe is it? Question two, what year did Chuck Gaetto purchase Jukebox? Question three, what is the month and the year that the legends were featured on the cover of Full Cry? Question four, where was Mark Booth when he had the idea for Southern Hound Hunting Magazine? In question five, what is the name of the oldest guest who is 90 years old to come on the podcast? Like I said, the first person to answer each individual question correctly will get a code for Joseph Krantz's book, and the person that answers all five of them will get a code for the book, as well as price package of a t-shirt, a hat, and stickers. So, you can message me at on Facebook, on Instagram, either one, because it timestamps it, so I'll know. Um, on Facebook, I will say, if I get, you know, question two answered, I will make an, a post and say, you know, question two has been answered. So, I look forward to hearing you guys this week. I look forward to a, a lot of podcasts this year and a lot of good content, and uh just thank everybody for following along and continue the continued support. And I hope 2024 is a great year for, for you guys as well as this podcast. So thank you. You can find me on Facebook and Instagram 
at Tree Talking Media. And until next time, keep them talking in the timber. <laughs>